Something to note, all myths have many versions and variations. For this episode, we've selected those we felt are the most dramatic and entertaining and supplemented them with additional research into Aztec beliefs. Our myths may not be the version you're familiar with, but we hope you'll enjoy them. A warning, today's myth contains dramatizations and discussions of human sacrifice, child death, animal death, and gore. Please exercise caution for all listeners under 13. King Nesahualcoyote stood in his ornate palace bedroom. He was proud of this place. He was a poet, an architect who engineered exquisite gardens, schools, and aqueducts for his city, Texcoco. The palace was no exception. The gilded walls shimmered in the candlelight. As he admired his work, his wife, Azkal Shohitsin, knelt to the ground, focused on a different task. Her song came to an end as she spoke the ceremonial words. My dear departed son, may your time in the afterlife be safe. Please, take these offerings for your sacrifice. Here are the joys of life you would have enjoyed had you just lived a little longer. She carefully placed a cup of chocolate, a warm, spiced cocoa drink ground with cinnamon and chili, onto a bed of palm reeds. Nesahualcoyote knew it was an offering for their son, who they'd sacrificed to the gods as an infant. The aroma drifted to his nose, and he yearned for a cup himself. It made him impatient. Could you please hurry? I'm meeting with my council in an hour. Today is the Mikailhuit, the Feast of the Dead. I will take time for my son. You meet with them all the time. Today is for Jalotali. What good does it do, really? I mean, look at that mug. It's just sitting there. He's not drinking it from the great beyond. Jalotali served his purpose. What matters is making good on his sacrifice and keeping our empire growing. I could tell the council to go home and worship the Lady of the Dead, but the temple to the unknown god will be the most advanced of the nation and tell the story of our success. If we don't meet, those plans will never become reality. Your meeting can wait. Today we must honor the bones of our ancestors who rest with Mikte Kakikwat. You're wrong. We must grow or die. Our future depends on it. But what good is a future when you don't take time to remember your past? As Kol Shohitsin, making a legacy for ourselves is the only thing that matters. I matter. Don't die. I care for you. I do. But I can't let that get in the way of what's actually important. With that, Nesahualcoyote turned and walked out of the bedroom. He didn't look back. He knew the look of disappointment on Azkal Shohitsin's face would simply disgust him. He turned his thoughts to something else, a new idea for a poem. I am confounded. I worry. I think. I wish that I might never die, that I might never disappear, that I might reach the realm where death does not exist, where death is overcome. 
If I might never die, if I might never disappear. <laughs> I like the sound of that. Welcome to Mythology, a Spotify original from Parcast. Every Tuesday, we present dramatic stories from ancient mythology and explore their origins. I'm your host and narrator, Vanessa Richardson. You can find all episodes of Mythology and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. On November 1st and 2nd, Mexicans and other Latin Americans across the globe honor their ancestors with flowers, shrines, and sugar skulls in the celebration of Dia de los Muertos, the Day of the Dead. Though this holiday is relatively modern, its roots date back to the 14th century in the ghosts of ancient Aztec beliefs. Today, we travel to the Aztec underworld and pay a visit to the mansions of the dead. The first house after this. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all, but it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The Day of the Dead has its roots in the Aztec holiday Mikailhuit, which lasted not one day, but nearly a full month. It involved music, feasts, and yes, the brutal practice Aztec civilization was most infamous for, human sacrifice. When the Spanish conquistador Hernán Cortés invaded, he saw this custom as proof that the Aztecs were barbaric, in need of enslavement and Christianization. However, the Aztecs actually had a highly advanced society, which made contributions to architecture, math, and medicine. Aztecs were well known for poetry, which they called flower songs. Though much of the culture was erased by the Spanish, the surviving Aztecs did their best to maintain their beliefs in secret, such as their idea of the afterlife and the distinct houses of the dead. In Catholicism, your actions determine which afterlife you're sent to, heaven for the good, hell for the wicked. 
but the Aztec underworld was different. Your fate was determined not how you lived, but how you died, which made your final moments on Earth all the more important. Cholo, come here. King Nesahualcoyote stormed out of his palace with his dog, Sholo. Today had to be his least favorite day of the year. It was the height of Mikailhuit, where those past were celebrated and remembered. As he strode through the square, commoners sang with their feet, preparing offerings for the Lady of Death. He scoffed at his people as they strung together flowers, steamed tamales, and whispered prayers. Baskets sat on the ground, filled with candles, fruit, seeds, and chocolates. What a waste. The only dead Aztec worth celebrating are fallen warriors. At least they fight to build a bigger and better society. A civilization for the ages. The rest, those that die of sickness or even those sacrificed, they are not worth a single kernel of corn. We can't rely on the gods or anyone for our success. We must make a legacy of our own. The clouds opened up overhead, bringing sheets of water down onto the streets, a gift from Tlaloc, the rain god. Many of Nesahualcoyot's people rushed into houses for cover, but he didn't mind. At least it would stop the celebrating. The king walked out to one of the many fields of corn. He tried not to think of how much of the crop would be wasted as offerings. Nesahualcoyot shook his head, and then something stirred amongst the plants. It looked like an old woman watching from within the field. Hello? Who's there? The lady pulled the stalks aside with gray, twig-like fingers. Her eyes were hollow, caverns, and her jaw hung open wide in the perpetual shock of death. This wasn't a face, it was a skull. It was the Lady of the Underworld herself, Miktekakikwat. And as soon as she appeared, she was gone, turned to ash among the reeds. Before Nesahualcoyote could ask why she was there, thunder crashed from the clouds above. A blade of white lightning cut through the rain and struck deep into the king's chest. Ah! Flames exploded from his body like orange feathers. Nesahualcoyote felt himself sinking beneath the soil, past the crust of the earth, down into oblivion. Nesahualcoyote awoke to his own surprise. The first thing he heard was the sound of water rushing, raining, dripping all around him. He felt soft grass press against his cheek and opened his eyes.
He was by the edge of a great waterfall in the middle of a vast green grassland. Hills rolled endlessly. Life-giving mist blanketed the air, and the earth overflowed with food. Red and green tomatoes spilled over one another. Soft avocados lay in heaps, and fresh, plump squash tumbled from overgrown gardens. It was everything he could ever want. How did he get there? He remembered the woman, the Lady of the Dead, staring at him from behind the corn. It was raining. He heard thunder and... You look... lost. Nessahualcoyote turned. Sitting in front of him at the mouth of an enormous cavern was Tlaloc, god of rain. He was tall with a great belly and was surrounded by four large clay jars. That's when it dawned on Nessahualcoyote. He was in Tlalocan, paradise, where those who died by drowning or storms could rest after a violent death. <sighs> what a despicable way to die. I'm not lost. I'm dead. <laughs> yep, so true, so dead. But are you sure you're in the right place? I was struck by lightning, wasn't I? Well, yes and no. Sorry? See my four jars. They're full. You know why? Because it wasn't supposed to rain today. I'm saving all this till next week, really. <laughs> it's going to be wild. Rain, floods, chaos. <laughs> People are going to go insane. For emphasis, Tlaloc shook one of the jars. So then, the lightning. Where did it come from? It was the Feast of the Dead. You tell me, King. That's when Nessahualcoyote remembered the terrible vision he had right before the thunder. The Lady of the Dead, the goddess of the underworld, that awful skeleton, Miktekakikwat. <sighs> Great. Yeah, I don't want you here. You're not supposed to be here. Try eating one of those tomatoes. Nessahualcoyote reached down and yanked a glowing red tomato, plump and juicy, from a vine at his feet. He brought it to his mouth. Ah! I broke my tooth. Wow, that doesn't sound fun. Listen, you can't stay here. You're going to starve. This amazing spread, it's just for the people I killed. But that lightning, that was all Mikte. So, if I'm not supposed to be here, I need to talk to her so I can get back. I have a council meeting today. We're so close to finishing the Great Temple. Where is she? Oh, let me go get her for you. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. That's crazy. I'm a god, not a messenger. You've got to find her yourself. Won't be easy. To get to her, you have to travel through the other houses of the dead. First, you must journey past Chichihuacuauquo, where dead children rest. Then, and you're not going to like this, but you'll have to fight your way down through the nine hellish levels of Miklan, the land of the dead. That doesn't sound good. The trials are difficult, but not impossible. In fact, most Aztecs make this journey. Anyone who dies of sickness or old age goes to Miklan. Near the end, you must offer a great demon your heart. Then, and only then, Miktekakihuat will see you. How long is it going to take? <sighs> 
Oh, not long. About four years. But I have a kingdom to run, schools to build, profits to make. Are you telling me I'm forced to go on this tour of the underworld just to find out why she brought me here? You got it. <sighs> Point the way. Just follow the hill path from this waterfall. Take some fruit for the road while you're at it. Nah, <laughs> just kidding, you can't eat that. Nessahual Coyote stepped onto the trail, which stretched over a grassy hill and disappeared in the direction of Chichiwakwauko. He was already weary, though he knew his journey was only beginning. Coming up, Nessahual Coyote faces horrors from his past. You tell yourself it's only a movie. None of this could ever happen to you. You feel relieved until you discover what you're watching is based on actual events. Hi, listeners. It's Vanessa and Greg from the Spotify original from Parcast, Serial Killers. In our Halloween special, Real Horror, we're spotlighting three of the most iconic horror films of all time and telling the terrifying true stories that inspired them. Recovering the real influences behind characters like Ghostface from the 90s mega-hit Scream, Hannibal Lecter and Buffalo Bill from the Oscar-winning thriller The Silence of the Lambs, and Leatherface from the 70s cult classic The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Enjoy Real Horror, the serial killer's three-part Halloween special. Listen to all three episodes the final week of October, free and only on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now back to the story. In the outskirts of Teshkoko, Azkal Shohitsin knelt next to King Nesalhuacoyot's body, preparing herself for his burial. His skin was blackened, scorched by the lightning that had taken her husband without warning. His sudden passing was a shock to the kingdom, as if they'd woken up and the city itself was gone. My king, my Nesahualcoyot, you had no interest in the dead, and now you are among them. As much as I hated it, I wish you were here to scold me for wasting time on another ceremony. But you aren't here to tell me to look to the future. This funeral is yours, and if you thought I'd let you skip it, you'd be wrong. I loved you, and I will let Tlaloc drown me before I let you go without my care. She opened Nesselhualcoyot's mouth, placing a piece of jade under his tongue. The robed Tlamakaski priests bathed Nesalquahoyot's head in cool water and carefully wrapped him in a bedroll made of woven palm reeds. 
As Kalshohitsin watched as the Tlamakaski moved him over the fire, they continued pouring water over his head, washing him even as the flames burned his flesh. The gesture was symbolic, as Kalshohitsin knew he would have hated it. Nesahualcoyot's corpse softened into a thick sludge. His stench filled the air, his body's final exhale. As Kalshohitsin breathed it into her lungs, the priests gathered what was left, just dust and bones, and placed them in a funerary urn. As Kalshohitsin picked up the vessel, the hard clay warm against her palms, her husband's embers heating the stone. She watched the black and green robes as they descended into the darkness of the tomb. I feel your heat in my hands, but I know you're not here. I know you're in Tlalocan now, paradise. I miss you, but at least I know you're somewhere better with all the food you could ever want. Nesselhualcoyote was starving. He'd been hiking for days through the thick forests of Tlalocan. The jungle was lush but inedible, fruit that to his mouth was as hard as stone. Tlaloc had told him to walk this direction, but now he wondered if he was going the right way. Ghostly murmurs echoed from large, unseen birds. The canopy above blocked the sun, and the sky seemed a distant memory. In this green cavern, Nesselhualcoyote felt like he was walking across the ocean floor. He ran his tongue along his chipped incisor. He unexpectedly felt something push against the back of his tongue. Cold, glassy, and round. Was it part of his tooth? He spat the pebble into his palm, but this was no ordinary stone. It sparkled in the half-light, a lustrous and calming turquoise. This was jade. How did this get in my mouth? The jade piece slipped from his fingers. It careened off a mossy rock and fell to the bottom of a ravine. Oh... Jade was supposed to bring good luck. The king wasn't usually superstitious, but he figured he could use all the help he could get. He had to retrieve it. Nesahualcoyote made his way down the jagged cliffside, down towards a clearing, the glint of green beckoning him from a patch of rich brown dirt. Finally, he reached the jade piece and wrapped it into his loincloth. But before he could climb back up the cliffside, he glimpsed a strange sight. What is that? In the center of the clearing was a massive grove of cypress trees. Their thick roots crawled from the soil like bronze vipers. Each tree twisted into one another, like twins squeezed into the same womb. (laughs) 
Water dripped from the limbs in long, steady streams, and Nessahualcoyote suddenly realized how thirsty he'd become. He held his hand underneath, and the liquid splashed into his palm, filling it instantly like a cup. But it wasn't water. The viscous fluid was as white as bone. Shocked, he dropped it to the earth. Don't worry, it's milk. Nessahualcoyote turned. A teenage boy stood behind him. The youth grabbed one of the branches. See? The boy brought the branch to his lips, as if feeding from a mother's breast. Ah, this must be Chichiwakwauko, where dead children rest. And these trees... Trees? There's only one tree. The boy was right. The separate trunks were just the branches of a single cypress tree, as wide as a temple, swollen thick with milk. As he looked around, he noticed other children, mostly toddlers and infants. They tugged on the branches and drank the white sap. You're one of the lost children. Infants who died in birth, babies sacrificed to the gods. You wait here until the next sun, and then you'll be back to repopulate the earth. That's what I've heard. We've been waiting a long time, though. Some of us have grown old like me, old enough to talk. Maybe you can tell me how to get to Miklan. I need to speak to Mikte Kakikwat, the lady of the underworld. And why should I help you? I'm... I'm a king. I'm not supposed to be here. I know who you are. Nessahualcoyote waited for some explanation. If the boy truly knew who he was, he should be deferential, maybe even fearful. Instead, the young man stared at him coldly, his eyes burning. You don't recognize me, do you? I don't. I I don't recognize you, no. You wouldn't. When I was your son, I was still a baby. Jolotli? I'm sorry. How could I know what you looked like as a boy if I never saw you grow up? I didn't know you were here. Mom knew. Look, I didn't want to kill you. I'm not mad at you for sacrificing me. I was grateful to be given to the gods. Okay, what is it then? You won't even look at me. Every year, during the little feast of the dead, Mother lays an offering of her milk on my grave. She dots my body with chocolates and sweets. But you, you never once spoke to me. I never saw you. So what? I was building a civilization. I didn't have time to sit around talking to my dead progeny. I had decisions to make, council meetings to run. Besides, what's the point of giving someone a gift once they're already gone? You don't get it. Get what? You clearly don't need the offerings. You've got all the milk you need down here. It wasn't for me. It's for Mom. Nessahualcoyote was struck. He remembered how the Feast of the Dead always gave Azkal Shohitzin solace. No matter what weighed on her mind, after tending to Jolotali's burial site, her soul seemed at peace. The dead king felt his cheeks turn red with shame. Do you think she liked going alone? To her dead son's grave? I... You're right. I should have gone to support her. 
to share the grief. But you never cared. Always moving forward. Never looking back. Chilotali. I guess I've learned to... do the same. Nessahualcoyote watched his son walk into the darkness of the trees. The boy's body disappeared as the forest mist breathed him in. Wait! Jolotoli! He took off after Jolotoli, barreling into the thick fog. In an instant, the haze had obscured everything around him. Tree branches thrust toward him like hands reaching out from a ghostly white soup. Jolotoli! Nesahualcoyote brushed the branches aside, desperately trying to find his son. With every step, the mist hugged him closer. He swiped blindly at the cold air around him, looking for something to hold on to. Nesahualcoyote again was lost and alone. His throat burned as the mist crawled past his lips. <coughs> <coughs> He coughed viciously. He knew those who died an unremarkable death from sickness or old age went to Mictlan. But how was he supposed to get there? He was already dead. His limbs felt like large stones pulling him down to the cool earth. Eventually he gave in, crashing to the ground. He lay on his back, feeling crushed by an invisible boulder on his chest. He knew then that he would never find Mikte Kakikwat. His work in Teshkoko would never be finished. He'd never see his wife again. For the first time in his life, he was utterly helpless. Out of his fear came the words to a flower song. In vain I have been born. In vain I have come. From the house of the Lord of Earth, I am the needy one. I wish I hadn't come, that I hadn't come to Earth. He stared into the oppressive mist. He'd never get up. He was really, truly dying, about to disappear into nothing. But just as he resigned himself to his fate, he noticed the sky. The white plain above shifted like a fading smile. The colors fell into a deeper gray, a bruising purple, and finally, a dense, never-ending black. The air grew freezing cold, shocking Nesahualcoyote out of his slumber. He rose to his feet, dazed. He was so grateful to be alive, he never thought he'd stand again. He recognized then, he just experienced what it was like to die a natural death of sickness or old age, alone and with no glory, knowing that you'd be catapulted deep into the underworld hellscape, the deepest and most difficult house of the dead, where men withstood blistering cold, dangerous rivers, and deadly creatures, all under a black, starless sky. I've made it. Mitlan. 
Coming up, Nessahualcoyote faces the Lady of the Dead. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. Now back to the story. After passing through Tlalocan, domain of the rain god, and Chichiwakwauko, the realm of the nursing tree, King Nesahualcoyote squinted in the darkness. He found himself finally in Miklan, the land of the dead. He knew that his journey had just begun. The king would have to fight past nine levels of challenges to reach the windowless mansion of Miktekakikwat, the Lady of the Underworld. Only then would he be able to find out why she'd killed him and have a chance at making it home. Directly in front of Nesahualcoyote was a large black river, the Apanohuaya. Crossing it was the first test. The king eased his toes into the water, and the icy liquid took his breath away. How am I supposed to swim across? He saw their dead souls charging the river and swimming with all their might. Some were making good progress. Perhaps Nessahualcoyote could, too. Nessahualcoyote steeled himself and dove headfirst into freezing waves. Frosty air bit into his lungs as he swam. Before he knew it, he was almost halfway across. I'm almost there. I have to keep swimming. But then the river revealed its true strength. The current dragged his body toward the bottom and pulled his head below water. He repeatedly fought to the surface and gasped for air, only to again plunge below. Nessahualcoyote heard screams coming from upriver, a panicked soul caught by the current. The man slammed into him. Nessahualcoyote pulled away from the stranger, but the lost soul grabbed a hold of his cape. Let go! You'll take us both! The force of the river and the lost soul was too much for him. Nessahualcoyote felt the water fill his throat. His body tumbled head over feet until he didn't know which direction was up. His chest burned. As his lungs filled with water, he couldn't help but feel he'd been a fool. He'd treated the people in his life poorly, never offering them the same care he gave to his city. As Kalshohitsin was probably glad he was dead. 
And now, no one cared that he was drowning in the Black Northern Sea. No one would cry over his watery final grave. The stone walls of Nesselhualcoyot's tomb pressed in on all sides. As Kalshohitsin watched as the workers shoveled dirt onto the urn, already missing her husband. She knew he was destined for Tlalokan, paradise. He was struck by lightning after all. But she couldn't help shake the feeling of sadness. She felt sorry that her husband was alone. She knew she could change that. Stop. Just a moment. As Kal Shohitsin left the tomb and minutes later returned with Sholo, Nesahualcoyot's best friend. Sholo, sit. She handed the priests a shiny obsidian dagger, sharper than steel. They knew what she wanted them to do. Please. Back in the dark river, Nesselhualcoyot wasn't sure if his mind was playing tricks on him or not. He could hear a dog barking somewhere nearby. Suddenly, Nesselhualcoyot felt something grab his cloak and whip him to the surface. The cold current blasted across the nape of his neck. Someone was pulling him to the other bank of the river. Half-conscious, water pouring from his mouth like a stream, Nesahualcoyot felt his back sliding over the coarse gray rocks. Whoever saved him must have been immensely powerful, almost like they weren't even human. Sholo! Good boy! Nesahualcoyot ran his fingers through the dog's freezing fur. He was overjoyed to see his companion. Askol Shohitsin must have sacrificed you so I wouldn't be alone. That jade piece, too. That was her as well. She's thinking of me after all. Thank you, Sholo. I wish you could come with me, but your place is here in Apanohuaya to help those across. I'll miss you. Just be a good boy. Nesahualcoyot stripped off his tattered clothing and stood naked in the barren wilderness. Sholo watched him trudge toward the great mountaintops alone, surrounded by the few others who'd also made it across. Nesahualcoyot had beaten the first test, only eight more to reach Miktekakikwat. Next, the king climbed the Tepet Monamiklia Pass, where the rocky cliffs rumbled and quaked, trying to swallow all who traveled through. Then he climbed over the Eats Tepet Peak, dotted with broken flint and obsidian. He dragged his feet over the blades, ripping his soles like old cloth. Ah! can't rest. I'm not even halfway there. 
years passed, Nessahualcoyote pushed on. In the eight deserts of Panquetlacoloyan, the wind was so strong it could peel the skin from the face of a living man. Next was Temimina Loyan, a long, narrow hike. By this point, Nessaqualhoyot's body was battered, and just as he felt like he was finally getting some respite, he felt a sharp, piercing point lodge into his right thigh. He yanked it out and pressed his hands down on the wound. More fired from the darkness, each one a symbol of someone with influence on his life. He moved carefully and only a few more managed to clip him. By now, he'd faced more hardship in the afterlife than in his entire life combined. He no longer cared about building Teshkoko, about Azkal Shohitsin, about his council meeting. He now had a single goal on his mind. I just want this to end. Nessahualcoyote passed through Tekoilenaloyan, a jungle dense with vines. As he clawed his way through the plants, he heard something scream from the darkness. Finally, he met the demon face to face. It's you. An enormous jaguar stood guarding a temple door, its amber eyes shimmering like liquid gold. The creature licked its lips. It was hungry. The poet king knew what he had to do. He needed something sharp. Azkal Shohitsin stood in Nesalhuacoyot's tomb. Even with Sholo buried next to his master's remains, she felt her job wasn't done. Something told her Nesalhuacoyot still needed one last item. She spoke to the priests again. Leave the blade with our king. Nesalhualcoyote felt a weight in his right hand. He looked down. Somehow, sitting on his calloused palm was an obsidian dagger. This would do the trick. I'm ready. He raised the point to his gaunt and bony chest. He took a deep breath and plunged the dagger through his ribcage. Pain flooded his torso, the same pain that thousands endured as sacrifices to the gods. As king, he benefited from these horrific offerings. It was only fair he'd experience the suffering himself. Nesahualcoyote groaned as he dragged the blade down his chest. He tossed the blade to the earth and forced his fingers into the gash. He grasped his heart and pulled with all his strength. (laughs) 
he held his heart out to the great jaguar, who stalked closer. The giant beast gently took it into its mouth, devouring it whole. Nesahualcoyote felt empty, like there was nothing left of himself. I had no strength, and now no heart. I'm ready for the end. Please, let me pass. The jaguar let him through. The poet king entered a black, windowless mansion, the ceiling sparkling with a twinkling night sky. Darkness enveloped him like a warm embrace, and he collapsed to the cool floor of the temple. As his eyes adjusted to the dark, he realized he was not alone. A woman with long, gray hair emerged from the shadows. Her head was a grinning skull, the skin long decayed. She had two burning eyes, flickering embers of coal, and her jaw hung open, her mouth large enough to swallow the stars. He had seen her before, Mikte Kakikwat. Congratulations, Nesahualcoyot. I didn't think you'd make it. Just, please, let me pass into nothingness. I'm so tired. Don't you want to know why you're here? At some point, long ago, I wanted to return to my civilization. I wanted to find out why you brought me through this hell. Now, none of that matters. Mm, I'll tell you anyway. You only cared about achievement. About the brave warriors who died in battle. But you had no care for the rest of your people. Of course I did. I worked hard for my subjects. I turned our kingdom into the greatest civilization of the era. But you had no sympathy. I needed you to know what it was like to die from lightning and bask in Tlalocan. To die from sickness, old age, and pass through Mictlan. To be a sacrifice. Your heart given to the gods. You see, a great change is on the horizon. A plague from the east. And soon, most of what we have as Aztec people will be gone. Perhaps it is time for us to be gone. You have never cherished the past the way your wife has, King Nesahualcoyot. But you have valued the future. But with the coming of this destroying god, your achievements will lie in ruin. Your all-important temple will be no more than a mound. You will lose both the past and the future. What is this god's name? Our people will call him Huitzilopochtli. He'll bring disease, death, and by the end of this century, our way of life will be no more. Our real gods will be forgotten, and so will our customs. The bones I protect here in Mictlan will turn to dust, and Mika'ilwit the great feast of the dead will be prohibited, stamped out, unless you, you can tell of this legacy. 
But I did not even respect you. I know. But you, Nesahualcoyot, are important. You have the gift of flower song, of poetry. You can pass on our way of life so that centuries from now, our beliefs will be remembered. Even though I will be long gone. Sing them from this place, from Iklan, and those above will speak them too, as if they are their own. King Nesahualcoyote considered the responsibility laid at his feet. Once the war god arrived, his people would perish, his temples and libraries destroyed. Perhaps the best way to ensure his people's future was to honor their past. I will do it. You can count on me. Just please, let me rest. You are mistaken, Nezahualcoyot. There's no rest here. Only hardship. Work. Or I let you disappear. Nezahualcoyote was devastated. He yearned for a piece of solace and the voice of his wife, as called Shohitsin. After such a long journey, he'd give anything to sleep once more in his old bed, to be cared for. However, there is a day once per year where I allow those who've passed through the Nine Realms to visit the land of the living. You know it well. Mikailhuit, the Feast of the Dead. And you're in luck, King Nesahualcoyot. It is today. Nesahualcoyote was shocked. He'd always hated the holiday, the needless sacrifice, the endless waste. It contributed to nothing. But he'd never experienced it from this side. Please, say hello to Azkal Shohitsin for me. Mikte Kakikwat raised her long, bony hand and pointed over Nesahuacoyot's shoulder. He turned, expecting to see the doorway he entered. Instead, the blackness of the temple bled into a candlelit room. It had been a long time since he'd seen it, but there was no mistake. This was his palace bedroom. In a daze, he walked out of the inky, windowless night and his bare feet stepped onto the stone. It seemed exactly how he left it. At that moment, Azkal Shohitsin walked through the doorway. She was older, but still just as kind, just as beautiful. Nesahualcoyote reached out for her, but she passed right through his arms. He wanted to thank her for everything she'd done for him in the afterlife, but it was no use. He followed her to a small, candlelit table where she knelt. I offer you your favorite things. When you walked with the living, may you be at peace, my dear Nesahualcoyote. Upon hearing his name, affection overwhelmed him. It had been so long since he heard the voice of someone he truly loved. And that's when he noticed what lay on the table, a steaming cup of warm chocolat. 
For four years, the only thing he tasted was his own blood. But now, the aroma of hot cocoa from his childhood made his mouth water. Hesitantly, he stepped toward the offering and picked up the mug. He drank the creamy hot cocoa, and the sweet bitterness danced across his tongue. He was overwhelmed by gratitude for his wife, even though he'd never shown her traditions respect, as Kalshohitsin made a place for him to return to. His heart swelled with love. Overcome, a flower song spilled from his lips, and as he spoke, so did Azkal Shohitsin, as if connected through death. Oh, only for so short a while you have loaned us to each other. Because we take form in your act of drawing us, and we take life in your painting us, and we breathe in your singing us. But only for so short a while have you loaned us to each other. Because even a drawing cut in obsidian fades, and the green feathers of the Quetzal bird lose their color, and even the sounds of the waterfall die out in the dry season. So, we too, because only for a short while have you loaned us to each other. Nessahualcoyote wiped the tears from his eyes and crawled into bed next to Azkal Shohitsin, where they both spent so many nights while alive. And before he passed into the deepest, most comforting sleep, he'd send his poems to the living world through the songs of his subjects. He would keep Mikhailhuit alive. Though King Nesahualcoyot perished nearly 50 years before the Spanish conquest, his flower songs were so enduring that many still exist today. He spoke on themes of impermanence and the inevitability of death. His legacy lives on, for his face and one of his poems even adorns the 100 peso bill. When the Spanish arrived in Mesoamerica, they had no interest in preserving the Aztec way of life. After slaughtering much of the population, they destroyed temples, burned books, and forced survivors to convert to Catholicism. But the Aztecs didn't give in. To the chagrin of Catholic priests, in the summer, they continued to worship the Lady of the Dead during the summertime holiday of Mikailhuit. In the secrecy of their homes, they burned candles, sacrificed turkeys, and provided a respite for their loved ones. Since the Catholics couldn't wipe out the custom, they moved it to the beginning of November so it would coincide with All Saints' Day and have some association with Christianity. That's why Mexican and some other Latin American communities across the globe celebrate the Day of the Dead on November 1st. With its roots in Mikailhuit, it's not only a time to honor the loved ones we've lost, but also the cultures that have been erased. It's a reminder to show gratitude and to acknowledge that, like in the Aztec prayer, 
only for so short a while you have loaned us to each other. Thanks again for tuning in to Mythology. You can find more episodes of Mythology and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. We'll be back next week with another epic story. Mythology is a Spotify original from Parcast. Executive produced by Max Cutler. Our head of programming is Julian Boireau. Our supervising sound designer is Russell Nash, with Nick Johnson as our head of production, and Trent Williamson as our senior production specialist. Ryan O'Leary-Jones is our supervising editor, and Derek Jennings is our writing lead. This episode of Mythology was written by Ben Caro, edited by Molly Quinlan and Robert Teamstra, fact-checked by Haley Milliken, researched by Adriana Gomez, produced by Freddie Beckley, and sound designed by Brian Golub. The amazing cast of voice actors includes Tiana Camacho, Joe Hernandez, Kai Jordan, and Charlie Wess. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Mm-hmm.